right. Three, two, one. Hi, Adam. Hey, Anna. How you doing? It's so awesome seeing you. Likewise. I feel like the last time was probably on some foreign soil for me. So too much travel in my life, but it's always nice to bump into you in random places around the world. I know. I agree. And you know what? In 2019, uh, at the end of the year, um, I was telling my my husband, I'm like, you know what? So much traveling. Like, I'm exhausted. And then, you know, fast forward three months, it, the pandemic happened. And yeah. now... Like, your, your wish is my command. So mine was, mine was the same situation. I did 168 days on the road in 2019. Um, I managed... Then- I managed to layer in a couple, I think five or six, like amazing adrenaline filled events, like really in full transparency, I qualified for a life insurance policy and just rolled oh the dice. <laughs> See the one where you were like running with the bulls. Yeah. So I, I did that. Don't do it. Um, don't, I don't recommend anybody go running with the bulls. That was absolutely terrifying. Do well, not do it. Uh, again, I, I just felt like living life. I was doing so much travel. It was co- a convenient stopover from, I think, you know, the Barcelona event. So I went to Pamplona, Spain, either before or after. I don't remember the timing, but um, yeah, I just bought that ticket, booked that trip and went running with the Bulls. So it was one of those things I did in 2019. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I as exhausted as I was at the end of the year in 2019, I can honestly say now I miss it. Like I miss seeing uh, you and everyone else. Like I miss seeing people and just having bumping into people at conference, right? Yeah, like- yeah there is a desperate need for community these days. Um, you know, what I am super appreciative of though is that I get to spend a lot more time with my family and I have a three-year-old who we call face of a business. He responds to face or biz and um, uh, you know, it's just an absolute delight that my, you know, my work circumstances have changed so dramatically that I get to spend a lot more time with them. That's awesome. And it, like, this is the age where like, you really see so many changes every day. My, my son is four and a half. And even now, like, there's so many changes and you're going to see like his personality is. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that too. So I get it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we it's, it's almost time. I, I just wanted us to... Uh, start a bit earlier to let some of our friend, friends join. Sure. Uh, let's uh, let's start. You know, let's uh, pretend not everyone knows who you are, which I doubt because <laughs> everyone knows Adam. Everyone knows, like, oh my gosh, it's, that's you know the smartest guy in the room. We need to talk to him, right? Stop uh, it. Um, <laughs> let's pretend for people that don't know who you are. Tell us who you are, and maybe I don't know. There's something that not a lot of people know about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, So I've been in the performance marketing e-commerce world for about 11 years now. Um, I started off in payments and payment gateway and anti-fraud and worked my way into a very, very high volume CRM um, where it was my responsibility to um, consult with clients. I basically earned the title chief champagne officer um, at a very high volume CRM to, you know, really understand wine and dine our clients, make sure that they're happy, you know, understand where they're really struggling with the business. And I ended up managing a portfolio of a, an incredible list of that, um, you know, the minimum requirements to be in my portfolio was about $3 million in monthly recurring revenue. That's so, it. 
Yeah, it, pretty significant volume. So you can imagine the types of learnings that I got, the crash courses, and you know, I was also you know, able to help these businesses, um, you know, dramatically improve revenue. So I have a whole bunch of tricks and tips and techniques and tools for subscription model business or e-commerce business to really maximize revenue, increase conversion, and that's where I've built you know a lot of my career. And from there, I went over to an incredible organization called DFO. Um, they're an e-commerce conglomerate selling you know, mid nine figures in revenue globally, um, hundreds of brands and products in-house, an affiliate network, a performance marketing agency, proprietary tools, which one I highly recommend for all affiliates and media buyers out there. You go check out ctrwow.com. It's absolutely free. Um, it's a page and funnel builder specifically designed for media buyers. So check it out. Um, no, any further affiliation. I've resigned from that role and I'm on my own entrepreneurial journey, building my own really exciting passion project that I can't wait to be the first customer of. That's how passionate I am of it. Um, but, you know, it's probably something a lot of people don't know. It's very recent news. So I've resigned. I'm building my own direct-to-consumer subscription model business. And what we're trying to do is get people to stop self-prescribing vitamins and supplements by offering a DNA test combined with a lifestyle assessment to recommend a vitamin and supplement regimen, which we then provide if should they choose to on subscription, convenient, easily morning and night pouches done for you. That's amazing. Now, I want to be a customer. I mean, <laughs> honestly, how often does it happen in our industry where you hear something and you're like, whoa, I actually want to buy that. That's Thanks so much. Well, yeah, thank you. I'm building this, you know, I'm building this out of frustration with the current system. Um, you know, on my own journey of trying to become a healthier, you know, busy, you know, worker bee in the world. Uh, I, I came across so many roadblocks. I was super disappointed with some of those three letter supplement stores, which we'll leave unnamed. And um, yeah, you know, realistically, I just thought there had to be a better way. So um, I'm building this for myself, for my friends, for my loved ones. And if the market really likes it, then great. Um, I'm super, oh. super passionate about it. You know what, Juan, thank you so much for sharing, especially since it's like, like this is very new, it's news. I mean, not a lot of people know, so thank you. And yeah. two, I would love for us, you know, in a few months to do another podcast and focus on your journey, like what really it entailed for, me, for you to go from, okay, I have this great idea that I want my friends and family to benefit from. And then I would love to hear how things are gonna unfold because, a lot of the people, you know, listening, um, good affiliates too, have been deciding lately that, you know, maybe they want to give like uh, offer creation a try. And I know it's yeah. not. It's, I, I, you know, know. I have a great talk track on that. And it's, you know, for the longest time in my career, I've been getting pressure from clients, from friends, from employers, even being like, you know, why, why come work here when we know you could just go launch your own and you're going to smash everybody. And yeah, it's nice to hear, but. At the same time, you know, I basically told myself that, and it's different for everybody. So I'm different. I've had a you know a great career in performance marketing, and you know, I told myself that I wouldn't go jump and start my own thing if it was just about money. Um, and for me, I really wanted to find a project that I'm super passionate in that I think could be a legacy business uh, that I really care about the customer because the customer is myself. So if you can't get more passionate than that. Um, you know, I think that you're missing out. And, you know, I, if, if what you're trying to do is 
start your entrepreneurial journey and all you're looking to do is make, you know, a thousand or two thousand dollars extra a month to pay for your kids soccer league, like all the power to you. Um, and I think you should do that because those types of goals are very, very attainable in the current landscape in e-commerce. Um, but if you're looking to build something massive and leave your job behind and, you know, really roll the dice and take the risk on an entrepreneurial journey, like set yourself up for success and be really passionate about it is kind of my mentality. And I'll, I'll let you know in a couple months if it works. <laughs> so. Honestly, that's that's I cannot wait. And obviously, you know, we're not we're, I'm not saying this because we're live and I need to be nice. But if we can help you in any way, that's uh, I, we would love to be part of such a such a cool project because you know I can hear the passion. I mean, everyone knows how passionate about uh, I am about MaxWeb, right? And it just it's amazing. You're passionate, and I think that's half of the battle. And I think you're going to be very successful. So <laughs> thanks so much. Words, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so, you heard it here first on Max Labs with Anna, <laughs> the, the lady, the myth, the legend. So. I Oh my gosh, so cool. Well, we promised people we're gonna talk about e-com and we specialize, like we create internally a lot of health offers. We have beautiful, you know, product owners that create great health offers for us. Uh, but the last year we tried bringing on a few e-com offers. It's still not our specialty, uh, but we noticed some e-com offers that actually work. So um, let's pretend we have some newbies, some people that are really just uh, used to, uh, you know, running digital or supplements, health stuff. So why would you say e-com is? Like, let's start with the basic of basics. What is e-com? Um, yeah, like to me, e-com means card not present transactions, like at a very, very high level. Um, it's really just, you know, the ability to accept payments virtually online for a product you know, primarily I would deem it a physical product, uh, but I, you know, obviously digital products are also e-com services. I, I don't necessarily consider e-com, but I suppose they are too, if they're just card not present transactions, but why go from health and, you know, health and wellness and, and beauty and those types of products to physical good e-commerce? I think, um, you know, it, it really depends on, on the types of brands and businesses that you're supporting. Uh, like if you're if you're supporting a business that you know doesn't have either ethical practices or a high quality product and it's not you know the perceived value is way higher than actual value I think that that's where the problem arises when it comes to e-commerce physical goods um, I find that you know the best offers the best products in my experience have always been you know a very you know a pretty low reasonable cost of goods to the merchant but a very high perceived value that can be backed up with product so you're actually solving a real problem or you're satisfying a need with a real product that's physical and tangible and that lasts for ideally as long as possible it's not just some consumable if you will um so yeah, you know, generally speaking, I think that you know there's a lot of trends in the e-commerce world, and drop shippers in general have not made the business easier. I think they've made it more difficult because they've created this you know negative perception with regards to quality of product or customer service or shipping times and so on and so forth. So when you really come across as you know an e-commerce merchant who's got their operations dialed in, I think that I think that the average consumer this day 
in this day and age is really starting to realize that and know it and they can sniff it out. So the more authentic you have of a product that's real, uh, I think that's where real scale and real growth can come from. I am so glad you mentioned that because a couple of podcasts ago, uh, we had one of the speakers and this is exactly what we were saying. Um, because of uh, some of the dropshippers, not everyone, um, and the way the customer service, the fulfillment, even the subscription aspect of some of the offers were was handled, performance marketing in general started having not the best reputation and, and e-com was something like, oh my gosh, we we don't want that that's like stuff that's being shipped from god knows where is never going to get to you however I, I i don't know if you agree but i've noticed fantastic people that they were able to make so much money with e-com and opening their own stores because how you said and that was essential they were trying to solve a problem it's that easy i think is to really think about the customer yeah, you know, it's either or or both, you know, the ones that can do both is put the customer first, um, you know, and really create a win win solution for the customer and the merchant and a win 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 when there's an affiliate involved. Um, I think I think that, you know, those are the those are the the businesses that have potential for scale. Um, and again, you know, if you are putting the customer first and chances are you are solving a real problem and you're really trying to help somebody and not give them some placebo effect of your product. Um, so yeah. So where, where would someone start? Like, of course, so uh, let's start with the idea. You first need a good product, but beyond that, like, where do you start? I mean, you want to quit your job. You, you like what you're hearing. Like you're hearing Anna and Adam talk about working online and having a digital store. Where do I start? Like, give me like the basic ABC. What do I do? Yeah. Um, I think that there's some really good practices that a lot of early entrepreneurs don't do. Um, the first one is market research. The second one is there's a practice in the internet that's rampant right now, but there's an elegant way to do it and there's a malicious way to do it. And it's called R&D. It's not research and development, it's rob and duplicate. So what that really means is if you're not creating something brand new, and trust me, it's very hard to do brand new in this day and age. Uh, but if you're if you're looking to really help people um, and you're looking to kind of maybe try to get, you know, if you think about being on a staircase, that's it's typically an analogy I like to use is, you know, you have these, you know, online marketer porn, which is dropping their Shopify numbers or whatever it is um, to create this huge FOMO or whatever. Um, but they're, you know, those are numbers from step six out of, out of 20, out of 50 on a staircase. Um, to think that you can just jump right to that is foolish. Um, there's a lot of steps along the way that a lot of people quit, that a lot of people fail on, that, you know, ideally what you're trying to do is make those steps for yourself not as big. So you want to kind of just think about what's the next step. And for me, a really strong market research, really understanding your customer avatar, your customer personas, and creating messaging, creating a product, creating a service that's specifically targeted at those people. Your goal when you're starting a business in e-commerce, in my opinion, is get one customer. Don't think about getting 500. Don't think about getting 1,000 a day. Get one and service them like crazy. 
And once you get that, and once you understand the model and you're working with organic traffic, you're not spending crazy money out of the gate on paid media, um, you know, really just thinking about growing your business incrementally. You know, the, the, the people who try to scale too fast have un insurmountable problems, in my opinion. And the people who try to scale too slow have, you know, revenue and cash flow problems. So you really need to find somewhere in the middle that works for you and what your goals are as a business. Like I said earlier, if your goal is make a thousand or two thousand dollars a day, work back, you know, a month, work backwards from there. Like it's it's super easy. It's it's super easy to work backwards to that type of goal, as opposed to you know thinking like I need to quit my job and I need to be making ten k a month, uh, you know, starting tomorrow. You're right. just gonna you're gonna burn yourself out, in my opinion. Well, I honestly, I love that so much. I actually had to write it down, get the customer. No shout, out, shout out to Remarkable. Amazing piece of technology, remarkable.com. Check it out. Oh, yeah, Find your so. tablet. Maybe they're going to sponsor us because we love them. It changed my life. Like I, I keep it next to my bed. So if I have an idea at 3 a.m., I'm like, bam, it's right there. It's fantastic. I, yeah, I, absolutely. I absolutely. That was great. And and I agree. I mean, um, you know, I remember when we started, we were babies. We didn't even know what we were doing, but that was always the primary goal. Like the handful of like five affiliates, make sure they get everything they need. Right. And then everyone else is going to follow. So I, I agree. It's it's all right. Uh, there's, there's no need. There's no need to rush. Um, and if you have a need to rush, then stick with what you're doing. Exactly. Because going entrepreneurial is a dice roll. And I think, you know, I'm not sure what the actual numbers are, but like I would say easily over 80% of entrepreneurs fail. Uh, in fact, I heard something recently um, from the CEO of Shopify, and he said something like, you know, over 60% of Shopify Plus members have had at least three Shopify stores fail before that. Wow. <laughs> Um, and I, I thought that was very transparent and very honest and very real. It was one of the most real things I've heard him say. So I think, you know, if that doesn't give you some perspective on, you know, you think these businesses that spun up Shopify plus stores and are making these huge waves and everybody's going and looking at didn't have prior failures, then you're, you're fooling yourself. That's, I'm, you know, again, I, I'm glad you said that because, uh, you know, people look up, uh, not necessarily to us, but with uh, people in the industry that make a lot of money and there's plenty, right? There's plenty of very successful people and affiliates. And I think we forget that, you know, it took so much struggle and hard work for for them to get to where they are so it's 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 doable right we do encourage people to be their own boss and if you you know want to do uh you know want to take the entrepreneurial uh, road however you need to be like pragmatic it's gonna be very hard <laughs> you, you're gonna probably lose money at first right uh, but it's uh as long as you have the mindset and you're prepared for it i think that gives you like uh, not half, but some, some, a bit of an advantage. If you at least know, hey, it's gonna be hard. I'm probably gonna fail a bit. That that helps. I, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions that actually we had yesterday, um, so I, I wrote it down before before our podcast was on sources, right? So at MaxWeb, we have a lot of affiliates that do native and Facebook, but there are so many other sources out there. 
in your opinion and, and everything you have been seeing on, on your end, what are some great traffic sources that usually bring product owners money? Um, yeah, I, I think it really always depends on the product itself and what the, you know, the customer avatars that resonate with that product. For example, you know, if you're, you know, if your product services people super well in the 50 plus age demographic, you know, I think that going to native is a very effective practice. You go to where they're consuming the internet. Um, if you're targeting, you know, women uh, age 40 to to 55, like I, I think Facebook's a pretty solid bet for that. Um, so, you know, generally speaking, it's kind of like, I still have the mindset of work backwards from the ideal customer. And if you can organize who the ideal customer customers are by lowest hanging fruit, like least objections to buy, most likely to purchase, most likely to be able to afford this, and think about where those people are on the internet and putting your traffic right in front of them. It's more like a work backwards strategy for me than saying, hey, you know, and what that means to certain affiliates is like, hey, you know, if you're a Facebook affiliate, don't pick up an offer that's targeting teens. Like, you know, go pick an offer that's targeting the demographic that you know is consuming media on Facebook. So work backwards from either A, if you're good at a source or B, if you're getting into it, um, think about, you know, that product, if that's something that you're really interested or passionate about running or have a really good understanding about, then you'll be able to create more compelling content, ads, creative, whatever, that you need to drive those clicks and get those conversions. So work backwards from one way or the other, either somewhere where you're good at or what the product is demanding. Beautiful. So, you know, you're touching base a lot on the customer, right? Get one customer, work backwards, think about their needs, their wants. Um, what are some trends that you're seeing when it comes to customers? Because I remember last year with the pandemic and everything, and we're still pretty, you know, affected by it. Um, everyone was terrified that people are going to stop purchasing. And in our world, in our industry, we actually noticed a spike. What do you think is going to happen this year? I mean, you know, from what have you have a lot of experience working with huge companies, you know, seeing a lot of transactions. Oh, what are some trends when it comes to customer behavior? Yeah. Um, one that I'm noticing come more and more true is for the past, you know, five to 10 years in kind of powerhouse e-commerce, customers have been coming for the offer and potentially staying for the community. Since pandemic, that has flip-flopped dramatically. I think customers are desperate for community and they're potentially staying for an offer. Wow. So I think that if you're not a community first merchant or community first focused or creating some type of connectivity with the traffic or customers that you're engaging with, I think you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, and if you're not, you know, producing education and engaging them with quizzes, and if you're not asking their opinions on things or making, you know, polarizing statements or humoring them in a time of such depression, then, you know, do you even care about your customers? Like, do you even, do you even, um, so, you know, 
having a care for the customer and wanting to support them in every facet of their life and business or you know what they're trying to overcome i think is a great way to harness the power that's been created for you not to mention creating communities is sub substantially cheaper than driving traffic that converts sure. so it's a it's a great way to open up that front door build that trust and then you know and then if your community isn't converting you know the other trend that i'm obviously seeing is couponing the, the average consumer has been so accustomed to filling out their email address to get retargeted and remarketed for you know abandoned cart emails um just so that they can get these coupons um you know the 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 average consumer if they understand your brand and they understand your ethos and you're not some high-end crazy luxury thing with or you know some online co coaching course um chances are they can swindle a coupon out of you if not find one through one of those aggressive apps that basically just sees whatever page you're on and shoves in coupons so why not just enable them with coupons and you know have ones that you control that make a meaningful difference in your conversion split test them use use science use data to make those decisions on your business you know people who make emotional decisions about the business i think are destined to failure so you know, the sooner that you can have a data focused mindset to your marketing in particular and your business, ideally, um, I think that's what real performance marketing means to me. So it's having a data focused mindset. So much knowledge. I mean, I hope you guys are taking notes because this is like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, everything you've been saying goes hand in hand with my next question. Um, how do you think our industry specifically when it comes to performance marketing is going to be impacted this year? I mean, you kind of answered half of that with the customer behavior, but it's it's so interesting. I want to know more. Yeah, I, I think, you know, from from a merchant standpoint, this whole Covios 14, if you will, I, you know, shout out to oh, D. Dang who for COVID, for, uh, you know, making that terminology and putting it in my face. Um, you know, the iOS 14 changes that are coming down the pipe, the Apple changes that are gonna impact basically every single downloaded app on from the App Store and every single advertising platform you can think about. I, I think that what it's actually creating is a little bit of a market correction. A market correction in a sense that there's a lot of people who have been, you know, for lack of a better term, getting really fat and lazy off of Facebook advertising. Um, there's this great, you know, memes somewhere floating around the internet of like, you know, a very nerdy looking media buyer versus this, you know, athlete, thug, you know, stud with his feet up and all he targets is age 25 plus, right? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't think that that's necessarily what's gonna change so much, but what is gonna have to step up the game is gonna be the creative because you're losing a lot of your ability to get that really beefy return on ad spend with remarketing and retargeting. Um, and I think that, you know, you, advertisers are need to be even more conscious on top of funnel conversion as opposed to just getting people through the journey or capturing and you know harnessing their own data, capturing email, capturing SMS. I think that all of those techniques are gonna be, you know, get a lot more pressure and what's gonna be, what's required to succeed, um, to, to adapt in this, you know, changing landscape. But realistically, I see it as a market correction. It's gonna be a lot more difficult for people getting into the business. Um, I think it's gonna be, 
you know, the numbers of juicy returns and high quality data and understanding around your metrics are going to be a little bit more, I don't know, blurry, let's say. Uh, but, you know, what's interesting about our industry in general is that we adapt very quickly. We're all remote. We communicate. We are very, very smart. There's experts that share incredible knowledge. Um, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of news coming out. Nobody right now is an expert. Don't believe anything that you see with regards to tools that are going to skip this for you and that type of bullshit. Um, I would say, you know, roll with the punches, try to do your best and stay on top of industry news for how to, you know, constantly grow for further. But above and beyond that, in terms of other industry trends that I think are going to start making their way or really growing, you know, I think live selling is a really interesting platform. It's absolutely massive in Asia. I think somebody did like something like 54 million in a day recently or something like that. Um, so, you know, having those types of platforms, there's going to be, you know, a huge jostle from technology stacks and service providers to see who's going to come out on top on this one. You know, Amazon just launched something that I think sucks. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other platforms. You can see Facebook and other types of platforms like that gearing up for more in-platform purchasing and they already have video. So, you know, who's going to come out on top here? I don't, I don't have an idea, but that type of stuff, um, I think GTP3 technology, you know, the whole AI world of content production, there's amazing platforms out there called like conversion.ai, I think is insane. Um, mm -hmm. If you haven't checked it out yet, definitely check it out. Um, I think synthesia.io uh, for video is, is the most crazy thing I've ever seen. They can immediately translate video and text um, and voice for any video and change how their mouth moves to it too. It's just insane. It's like dark web stuff. Um, Synthesia.io. Um, I love it out. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, they did a demonstration video with like David Beckham. I, I think it's it's like remarkable um, to use that term again. But yeah, you know, video, video, live selling, and you know, a, a need for better creative is what I see coming really hard in 2021. What is the name of the platform that Adam just mentioned in Asia? Yeah, um, there's a, you know, I'm not sure how platform driven it is. Um, I haven't done that research. I've just been seeing the numbers. So let me just see if I can pull it up really quick. Amazing. Well, meanwhile, I found this other one that Adam was telling us about. So, um, yeah, and just FYI, guys, we're not, uh, we're really, when we share stuff like this, and I said it before in the podcast, we're doing it because it helps. Like, we don't have any type of, like, referral programs with the, with, with the companies. It just really helps when we uh, find platforms that are cool and they help us be better at what we do in business. So Yeah, um, I, I wasn't able to quickly find the technology, but... Um, you could definitely start doing your research. I think you should check out VIA, V-I-W, sorry, V-I-Y-A. That's the name of the celebrity that is just absolutely smashing live selling right now. So um, I, it looks like, you know, from right off the bat, like an image that I've seen, she's kind of produced her own production facility and has this like amazing setup. Um, it's almost like QVC, but online, you know what I mean? So. Is this 
you some ideas, Sarah? Is it giving you some ideas for your own product? Of course, I, you know, I take inspiration from everywhere. I saw a Geico commercial uh, like not too long ago where it was about hump day. Um, <laughs> and it's this camel walking through an office and he's, it's really funny. If you want to look it up, it's called hump day Geico. Um, but I, I got inspiration from that one for some creative that I'm working on. Uh, you know, we require DNA saliva and that's spit. So we want to do something with a llama. You know what I mean? Like just, I get oh inspiration from, I get inspiration from everywhere. That's awesome. Well, that, that's, that's so important that that's key because uh, if you think you're brilliant on your own, and I'm talking to everyone listening in, you're wrong. I mean, I can personally tell you how much we grew when we, uh, we listened, right? You have brilliant people that are willing to share. That's something else that Adam was saying earlier, and it's so true. In this industry, you have even podcasts like this, many of them. You have groups where people are just excited. Like if you ask a question, chances are someone is gonna tell you, like we are excited to share knowledge, but you have to be ready on your end to actually listen and have that mindset where, okay, let's, Let's let's assume I don't know everything, right? <laughs> I think that's, that's you know what I, I've been uh, I've been really active on Clubhouse recently, and for all of you out there who potentially don't know, currently it's still like an iPhone only social media networking app that's audio only. So it's basically just like live podcasts, um, live you know masterminds, if you will, and it's very content curated by you know rooms and topics. I'm not going to get into it. You know, if you want to learn about Clubhouse and you've never heard of it, go research Clubhouse. Um, but what's really interesting about those types of platforms is, you know, I've come to realize that a lot of people don't know how to ask the question that they need help with. So, you know, it's like a, you don't know what you don't know, but at the same time, you, you're trying to know everything. And then there's a whole other category of people who are just like ask holes, you know, they just ask to, to ask something, but, you know, they're not going to go implement it. And that's a whole other thing. You know, if you're looking, if you're, if you're looking to like, you know, change up your game, if you're looking to really step yourself up and you're looking to learn, the best way to learn is by actually implementing what you just learned. It's not just writing it down on a piece of paper and turning to the next page and never going back and looking at it. That's not to me learning. Learning is actually taking what you learned and implementing it as fast as you possibly can. Um, and I think that you know, that's also something I'm just like generally appreciative about our industry is like if you you can implement fast um, and you can get learnings fast. So, yeah, I, you know, keep rounding back to why I'm so appreciative of the industry I'm in. That's awesome. And I'm actually very happy that you mentioned Clubhouse is the first time we're bringing this up on on our podcast. And I personally had a very good experience with Clubhouse and I had the privilege to be in a few rooms with brilliant people that really otherwise it would have been impossible to get them on a zoom call so I, I don't know personally my advice if you guys have the opportunity give it a try and but adam said something so important like you you want to ask the right questions and i don't know if it's a lack of i don't want to say we're too americanized because i'm you guys know i have my american citizenship I'm a proud American. However, you know, without throwing shade on our American friends, I don't know what happened in, in like the last decade where either you're embarrassed, like you think you're not brilliant enough if you ask questions, right? 
or you just like to hear yourself speak maybe to the extent that where you're just cool because you're talking and people are listening to your voice and you're not really focusing on what you're asking so again you know without throwing shade on anyone it's just something that it's good for us to like check ourselves before we we give it a try because it really can be very positive yeah i think there's just like a in a you know I resonate with your mentality. First and foremost, I live in Canada. I happen to also be a dual citizen of the US. Um, but, um, you know, there's definitely, a, you know, a talk before you think, or, you know, a, there's a lot less respect given to people who listen these days. And I think that listening is super key and super crucial. And if you can, you know, actively listen where you're really being attentive about what you're listening and you're not just like multitasking and acting like you're listening or thinking about other things if you can actually focus on listening in even your everyday life and in your conversations that you have with friends and loved ones if you can you know attentively listen life is going to get better for you you know it's not always about hearing yourself talk or voicing your opinion it's also about learning what other people think that's fantastic. I mean, one of my favorite books is uh, Dale Carnegie. Uh, I think he wrote that book in, what was it, 1936? If I have the year wrong, you guys will forgive me. But it was, uh, the title is like the generic one, like uh, how to make friends and influence people, right? So that always stuck with me, like how important it is to listen, you know, to smile and to actually listen. And in Eastern Europe, that's a huge thing. Like, you need to be. Oh, you know, sorry. I, th I thought I had that book next to me. I have a whole bunch of books over here. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I, I don't know if it was possible, but now I like you more because you have that book and you know what I'm talking about. It's at home. I'm at the office, but I have like a stack of books right over here. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, that's, like that's one of the things I've been amassing throughout all, all of these chats as well is kind of like, you know, it's difficult in this industry because it's kind of like the internet never sleeps and you want to always, there's always opportunity to improve and make money and so on and so forth. Uh, but making time to read books or consume industry news or talk with industry experts or even listen on Clubhouse or, you know, join these masterminds and take that time out of your business to think about, you know, think about working on your business instead of in your business. I think I think that that mentality is really important. And, you know, if books is something that you can consume, whether they're audio books or, you know, they're the Cliff Notes versions of books, um, whatever it is, I would definitely suggest, you know, I have a massive list of books and if anybody wants them, you know, wants a list of books, I also have a list of tools. I have uh, a list of internet marketing cliches. And um, if anybody wants any of those, you can just like DM me or whatever, I'll dump them all to you in love the list of tools like if you would do this for us like at the end of the podcast just like copy paste them on the comment section in our like because it's going to be on facebook our podcast is going to have like uh the video on there i think that's going to be for me personally like i want it <laughs> I, I bet other people do too but like i'm always looking for tools and i just shared i just shared with you the link it's completely free i don't have it like email guarded by all means go nuts amazing awesome. it's kind of it's not like hyper organized it's just my list of tools um, that i've heard people talk about that i've used that i think are cool or interesting um, i think there's like 200 or something on that list amazing that's great perfect um this is, uh, we're just gonna have to make like a few more podcasts we'll schedule them and then we'll have specific topics because it's so much fun chatting with you adam Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm open, I'm open to chatting with you anytime. 
All right. So uh, especially now uh, that you shared with us that you are thinking you're actually focused and you, you want to create your own offer, um, getting traffic is going to be an important you know, aspect. And we get this question all the time. We have really great people that are starting their own offers. Many of them come to us without having worked with affiliates before. So in your opinion and everything that you've been seeing, what should people do, product owners? Where where do you encourage them to go and get traffic from? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, obviously, you know, I'm part of the mentality where if it's like, if you're if you're building a cash grab, then just go smash it. Um, but if you're building something that's more of a legacy, and you you know you want to care about your customers, and you want to you know make sure your processes are all dialed in, then start off slow with organic traffic. So I'll preface that first. But let's say you've passed the point, you've understood organic traffic, you started running a little bit of paid media yourself that's relevant to your customer avatars, and now you're looking to say, hey, I want to do tremendous scale, and I'm thinking about working with affiliates. I think that there are, you know, definitely some really notable trusted affiliate networks out there. But if it's your first time, I think that there are very few that are accommodating to that. Um, that you know really work with, you know, not, I don't want to call them amateurs, but like let's just call them newbies to affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. And you can go the really shitty route that has a whole bunch of you know, different traffic sources and mostly just mommy blogs that are just looking for a percent of revenue that they drive kind of offer. But in my opinion, there's two types of affiliates in the world. And this is something that I've said before, but it, this is my opinion. And maybe it doesn't resonate with everybody. There's two types of affiliates in the world. There's publishers and there's media buyers. Publishers include people who produce content, do unboxing videos, uh, who do reviews of product, who um, write up a whole bunch of things and, and you know, do listicles. Um, listicles is a blend, so I'll, I'll touch lightly on that one. But you're also like, you know, the whole category of influencers. To me, those are all publishing affiliates. And what's cool about them is they can make a splash you know, a big splash if you do it right and you get the right ones and, you know, you do it consistently. You know, the thing about it is it's this huge spike. And when you're working with affiliates and you're trying to scale an e-commerce business, spikes can be the, the death of you. You know, it's when you run out of product, it's when you have to pause the offer and all sorts of bad things start happening. It's this downward sp spiral cycle. So working with, um, you know, media buying affiliates, I think, has its advantages over publishing affiliates because they typically have, you know, trajectory, growth and scale potential. You know, once they've figured out the offer and they're making money and you're making money, then the challenge for them is just spending more money. And that's a great problem to have as opposed to, um, you know, a, a working with publishers who you know, do these spikes and every time they do a post or anytime they do anything, you get this huge spike. And each time after that, it's kind of just like it falls off dramatically. And then they do another spike and it's even shorter and falls off dramatically. It's almost like reverse scale is the way that I see it. So think about your business um, and think about the type of business that you want to be. Think about the type of traffic that you can legitimately handle. Um, don't get greedy with it and grow and scale you know, at a pace that's accommodating to you. Um, and as soon as you can, you know, really curate that with, you know, affiliate networks like Max Web, like, you know, at my former role, Verve Direct at DFO, uh, I think that there are other like really notable um, 
you know, great affiliate networks out there that do the coaching, that give you the controls as an advertiser to say, hey, how much traffic I can really handle and really take. Um, but yeah, you know, that's generally what I would recommend is do a consultation. Don't just go where anybody's promising you traffic. And definitely, you know, if you're at that point where your media buying's working and your organic traffic's working, layering on affiliate traffic is a great idea. Um, one, you only pay on performance. So you only pay, you know, and I'm talking about media buying, again, media buying affiliate traffic. You only pay on performance. Um, so you only pay if they say, if or when they send you a customer that buys, like that's a, a tremendous business model. Um, so, you know, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I love it. We do too. I mean, um, you know, that's, we love media buying. We do a lot of it. And with product owners, I mean, Adam knows this and I, I'm going to be honest, many times we say no, and you shouldn't be afraid of a network that's going to say no, because that's a good thing. You know, people are specialized and they work with people that they can help. Right. We, we did our own share of like errors when we started and we took on offers that we couldn't scale. And uh, it, it sucked. I mean, the product owners might have felt that why, you know, why I'm not getting traffic. So with time, we realized that, you know, we're going to do a consultation exactly how Adam said and other networks, you know, I can recommend you other affiliate networks like DFO, for example, great one. They do stuff that we don't do. They do more like physical gadgets and like super cool stuff like that. So if you're a product owner in that category, it's definitely like a good source for you, right? But basically don't be afraid of having a consultation with the networks to figure out if they have the traffic for you and ask really how they're vetting their affiliates because that's a huge one, right? It's It took us four years to get to a process of vetting affiliates correctly. Honestly, four years, no exaggeration because there's fraud in our industry too. And it's an ugly word. It's, you know, people are embarrassed to talk about it, um, but it happens, right? So if you are thinking yeah. about your own product, it's no joke. Just a quick pause on fraud. So part of my career was spent protecting merchants from fraud. You know, well, I've, I've managed hundreds, if not thousands of portfolios of merchants, anti-fraud, you know, techniques, tactics, and tools. So, you know, it's, it's rampant and the sooner, you know, as an affiliate, I think it's important for you to know that your affiliate ID, uh, your affiliate ID tracks all the way up. Like advertisers know if you're sending good quality or bad quality traffic and the good ones know very quickly. So um, you ain't fooling anybody by trying to make a quick buck. You're, you're better off just honing in your practices and trying to do the real thing. And you'll have much more scale and potential in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I'm not doing that because we're live. And again, I have to be nice. You're, you're right. No, I, I think, I think it was, um, I think it was Mike who said it, but he's like, I just want, I just want products and brands that do good in the world. Yeah. And I just want to work with people who do good in the world. And I, I don't know. It resonated with me. I think that was like three years ago. I heard him say that. Yeah. And I still remember it. So, um, I'll make sure he knows you. You remember that because it's kind of a lot. Yeah, we're we're big softies over here, and we we actually believe that we do believe in like good yeah. and kindness and putting good into the world. And you know, I, I agree. Helpful world around you. 
it's so far it's working well, right? Like yeah. um, you do good in the world and the money will come, you know. I don't know if you can see on this screen, but it looks like someone is like listening and he knows that you are remembering this. Mr. Peters. Hi Mike, that's Shout awesome. Out to Mike. Love you, big guy. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, I, I honestly, what I would like to ask, um, <laughs> I want to know some personal stuff because it, it's not often that we get brilliant people that have been successful for a long time. And that's key for me personally. I respect people and it's no secret. People know how much I love and I respect Mike and uh, everyone that I invent, uh, I, you know, have on the podcast are people that I respect a lot. So, these are people, you know, Adam included, that have been successful for a while. No one got rich, uh, you know, overnight and a year later lost all their money because, you know, we want consistency. So please tell me, like, anything personal, rituals, things that you do in your personal life that help you be a better person, right? Both in your personal life and in business. Yeah, well, personal life, I, I would immediately give a shout out to the wife. Uh, she takes care of everything that I need and she's incredible. And I wouldn't be half the man without having a significant other like that. Um, you know, gotta give that shout out. But in terms of like actual daily habits for me, which, you know, I, I think mine are weirder than other people. I'm not some, you know, guru coming out here saying like, I do these even every single day, but I really try to do solid habit making of these. Water is something that I drink immediately in the morning and I drink consistently throughout the day. And I probably have, <laughs> Good. I, I probably do like 10 to 12 cups of water, even in a red solo cup, or I don't even know what it equates to. I've never tried to measure it. That's not what's important to me. It's really just consistently drinking water throughout the day. In the mornings, a lot of times I'll throw a lemon in there because I don't know, I read somewhere that that was good. <laughs> Supposedly it suppresses your appetite or, you know, wakes you up, gives you a jolt first thing. Um, the other thing that I've really come to groan and like recently is cold showers. And I don't take them in the morning. In the morning, I typically do warm showers because it's too jarring for me. But at night, um, I take cold showers and they really help me relax. Um, I come out of a cold shower just ready to lie down and pass right out. Um, I feel amazing about it. I feel like it rejuvenates my body. There's tons of studies out there, you know, obviously very hot. Wim Hof making waves in the in the cold shower realm, but cold showers for me. I've even had the thought, and I I challenge anybody. I will be your first customer if you produce this business. But I've had the thought that there is no uh, shampoo, conditioner, or body wash specifically targeted at cold shower takers. And I think it's a massive business opportunity. And if somebody wants to go make that, I will be your first customer. I promise you. I'm gonna write that idea down. Don't ask me for a profit share from it, please. I don't care. I don't need profit share. I don't have the time to roll out that business, but I encourage somebody to do it. Um, I got tons of business ideas that we can go on a whole other call. And I, I know. We line up a whole bunch of entrepreneurs or a whole bunch of people in the industry with business ideas. I think we could ramble for days. Um, but yeah, cold showers. I've started meditating in the past uh, maybe two and a half years just really taking, I typically do it right around lunchtime, actually. I'm not in the first in the morning guy. I'm not a late at night guy. I like to do it right in the middle of my day and kind of refocus my energy for the rest of the day. Um, I, I don't even go for that long. I'm, I think I'm up to like 
you know, 10 minutes right now, which is a long time, you know, by like these crazy standards, but my meditation is more amateur. So I just try to like keep doing it and thinking and not thinking and then coming out of it and thinking about all the things I need to do and just being a little appreciative of the world around me. I think that that's important. Um, and I don't know, I, it took me a while to adapt to this because I would just wake up and immediately pull out my phone and start working. But I've really started taking time for healthy breakfasts. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a big boy for those of you who can't tell. I'm probably, you know, I think I'm like six, four and a half and like 260 pounds. So like for me, I just, I need food to survive. Um, for me, I, you know, I was, you know, I used to eat maybe like cinnamon toast crunch cereal and just be on a sugar rush for 10 minutes and then face plant by the time I got to the office. So I've changed that up and started eating really healthy uh, and being much more nutritional focused with my life. That's awesome. I'm, you know, I, I need to share that I'm trying very hard to to eat healthy. I'm actually trying to eat more, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people in our industry can relate. We get so busy, we forget to eat. Uh, I know it's not your case. You just told me that you need it to survive. <laughs> but I, you know, many times I forget to eat. So uh, actually, Mike, uh, you know, shout out again. He, uh, he was teaching me how to, like, get all these nutrients, like, uh, with nuts and like whatever you have, like peanut butter and fruit in like a blender, and then you at least get those calories in. So, so, so yeah, what I've done is I have this uh, little blend of a whole bunch of nuts and seeds and stuff like that, and uh, I just dump it right into yogurt. That's awesome. Right with some fruit and I'm off like it's so simple it's so easy once you've made that big blend and I just like literally like bah. <laughs> um, I, I like curated it myself uh, with my wife of course um but yeah love it awesome you know and you know people that um that might just you know jump on now and and listen to us you know they might be thinking well why are we talking about like diet and habits and honestly after a point in business where you learned a lot you've been doing a lot you know we are in good places in our careers um honestly this is the next level where, where we can learn or uh get advice from other people on how they do life because it, get, it it's very hard to balance everything and stay very healthy you know our mind too right yeah, this, this is super related to the business that i'm launching right um i'm about a month and a half out so stay tuned folks um but you know, I, I think that there is a lot of misinformation out there. I think that there is a lot of really bad advice. Um, and I try not to talk about things that I don't know as, you know, just a personal ethos, let alone a professional one. Um, but generally speaking, you know, I, I think that once you've had some success in your career or your entrepreneurial journey, uh, if you're not thinking about yourself and you're not creating those boundaries and you're not taking your health and nutrition, then, you know, your money, all this, all the success you're having is going to be even more short lived. And, you know, there's a lot of people who down the road say I would have given up a lot of my financial success or I would pay 50% of everything I'm worth to have, you know, five more years or 10 more years of life. Yeah. or even one more year of life for some people, or even one more day of life for some people. So with that being said, it's like the sooner you take these preventative steps and measures to just optimize your health and well-being, I also think it benefits like my focus, my attention, my ability to deliver and execute, I think are better from my nutrition and you know the vitamins and supplements that I take. Um, and you know, I, I highly recommend that if you're at a point in your career where you're starting to think that your health is taking a backseat to making money, 
that little trigger should be, you know, start thinking about yourself and start creating some more boundaries and start really taking your health seriously because I didn't and I, I and I'm here now. Yep, same, same. And honestly, I, I'm going to be your customer. You said you need one customer. That's me. Like, there you, go. you have it. So thanks so much. I'm honestly, super excited. But um, other thing, I wrote uh, a few questions down before we started, and one of the big ones that I really wanted to ask you. Uh, again, we hear a lot of gurus and people, you know, that are trying to teach all of us how to do life and how to do our business. And on one hand, you have really people and I love to take advice and really listen but then you know some of the advice just doesn't make sense so tell me the the myth the number one myth that you heard a lot when you were getting started and you wish now that you just realized early on that it's really just a myth a business one yeah um I think that there are a lot, a lot of them that come to mind right out, right off the bat. I'm getting like overflown with them. Um, one that stands out to me is kind of like your business when you're launching it. The whole concept of minimum viable product, like you don't, you don't need to be perfect out of the gate. But the entrepreneurial journey is constantly improving and putting out fires and solving problems in your business. Like, don't worry. There's going to be plenty more problems for you to solve. You don't have to solve them all now before you launch your business and put this in front of potential customers or do your market research or be confident about what you're, what you're building. You know, you're building towards that. And I, I think that it's best to just take that leap of faith and put a product out there um, and see how organic traffic responds. Like and see how the market responds and what type of feedback you're getting and take that feedback critically. Like, that that is exactly what your business needs. You know, there's there's a cliche statement out there that your brand is what your customers say it is, and I I really resonate with that um, in a big way. Um, so if you get to a point in your business where you're transparent with your customers and you've been you know including them in your journey and you're saying you know I'm I'm almost ready to go live and you're doing all these things about your journey, I think. I think you're going to have a lot more buy-in and you're going to have a lot more people that are, you know, mutually invested in your success. And the more people that you get mutually invested in your success, um, I think that's how you build something tremendous. 100%. Absolutely. Um, your next business idea should be to write a book. So just write that down. <laughs> I have a funny book business idea that I've heard before. Um, I'm not going to drop it here. It's not, it's not super mind. Um, so yeah, uh, I think writing a book is, is a very interesting thing and it's, it's something that is potentially, you know, down the road for me. I don't know. Uh, once I, once I get this and dialed in and focused and, and working and making customers happy, then I'll, then I'll consider it. That's awesome. And will, you'll have a, another customer there too. Yeah. I, you know, just in terms of like a professionalism myth that's out there, um, and I think it, it's becoming more and more prevalent with even tools and remarkable as an example, um, the remarkable tablet, um, your memory doesn't last forever and you have lots of different conversations and Dave's move much faster than you probably anticipate by the time you wake up. So if you're not taking notes, whether that be with pen and paper or on a remarkable tablet or 
have a note-taking practice that you can reference and be organized with and be consistent with, then you're doing yourself, you're doing the people around you, you're doing clients, you're doing customers a huge disservice. And, you know, I still to this day, well, granted, I haven't been in a sit-down restaurant taking an order from somebody, giving my order to a waitress in a long time or a waiter in a long time. But um, when they don't write it down, I'm like, why? Like why? Why are you giving me this anxiety that you're not going to get this right? Like just, just even fake write it down. Make me think you're writing it down, um, even if you do got it. Um, like that, that just that stuff doesn't impress me. Um, and I think that I'm actually more impressed by people who take diligent notes and write stuff down and take actionable insights and then go take action on them. I agree. I agree. That's a good one. I I, <laughs> I don't know if this is totally unrelated, but maybe a bit related. Uh, the new Cobra Kai movie, it's on Netflix. If you were a kid that watched karate at one point, uh, you you saw that like karate movie with like the kid being taught by a Japanese uh, sensei. Long story short, in the movie, in the one on Netflix now, they were talking about this a lot. Like uh, they were at a restaurant and they were waiting for their order to be taken, and everyone was like, "Why is the you know the waitress not taking the notes down?" And I think everyone, you know, now we understand how important it is not to look cool, but actually be cool. What I mean by that, it's so important to actually deliver, right? Yeah, like do your job. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I totally resonate with that. It's not about looking cool. It's about knowing that you are cool. Exactly. Um, I, I totally resonate with that. In fact, I'm trying to have that little brand ethos and that brand image for what I'm working on. <laughs> we know we know what we're doing is super, super cool, um, but we don't have to like tell you. Um, I'm, I'm excited. That's That's fantastic. Well, oh, I, I know you're not going to believe this, but we have been chatting for an hour. Wow. Um, this was great. Uh, I do want to, like, please, just one more question, because this is uh, too much fun. Uh, what's your favorite thing about our industry? I love to ask this, because I always get the the, the most different answers from, from our friends. So, yeah, so I like I, I've grown this massive appreciation for this industry, um, you know, I don't think that, you know, the average person entrenched in performance marketing um, or e-commerce really understands how far ahead we are than like the average consumer, the average person out there, like the outsiders, like it's still such a small community in the grand scheme of things. Um, so there's an appreciation that, you know, throughout all of this, we've, had no impact, you know, our ability to immediately transition to remote work, um, our, our ability to just continue to make money during like this crazy world changes, um, perhaps even more money than ever before. Like, that's just crazy. But, you know, there's, there's also like just brilliant people that are open to sharing. And, I, you know, I, I can't necessarily speak to every other industry out there, but I feel like because we're in the internet marketing, we're internet connected and you know, the information is readily available to be shared and these people are, are open. There's so many people who are trying to monetize other people's informations with courses and nonsense. There's so much free information about how to really succeed in this industry. Um, and I think that a lot of people have paved the way in a, in a great way. Like we are the 1%, you know what I mean? Um, 
So yeah, I'm just super appreciative of the industry and the ability to, you know, I, I, I've had the pleasure and ability to give back in this time of need to the world because of the industry that I'm in. Same, same, you know, and I, I know a lot of uh, the people in our industry have been giving back to their communities and it was so beautiful to see, like, you know, especially around Christmas time where all our friends in the industry were giving back. So, you know, it's, it's pretty fantastic, but, um, yeah, so now we have two ideas. A couple of months from now, you 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 already agreed to this. Long. I did. I did. And tell us all about the the offer. I honestly, I, I because I know so many people are actually bored from it. Uh, I, I'd be delighted to. Yeah, I'm happy to chat with you anytime, Anna. So yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I, I know I promised you one hour, but thank you, thank you. This was amazing. I actually have notes, right? And I promise I'm gonna implement them. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Cool, I'm so glad. I hope the audience appreciated it as well. If anybody wants to reach out to me, um, like I'm not here to sell anything. I, you know, eventually I'll be selling my product, but um, you know, if anybody's looking to just connect with me, I'm available on, on anything, Facebook, Telegram, Skype, you name it, I'm, I'm available, so reach out. Yep, and, and I'll add, I'm, I'm actually gonna put like a link to Adam's profile in the comments, so it's gonna be super easy if you guys wanna reach out. Cool, thanks so much, thanks everybody.